Well, I was a fanatic. There's no doubt a fanatic. My goal was to get carried out of the wrestling room because of exhaustion, and it never happened. The thing it did for me every day about 6 o'clock is that when I got out, I looked back in, and there was nobody else there. Bottom line was I didn't reach my goal. So guess what happened? I went back in the room again. But I got some quality time because of just some kind of a fanatic goal. Welcome back to Wrestling Changed My Life. This is your host, Ryan Warner. Today's guest is Richard Mendelson. Richard's a PhD and professor at Kaiser University, where he studies emotional intelligence, or EQ, amongst elite-level athletes, which I think you'll find fascinating since Richard was a former wrestler himself and has included subsets of wrestlers in some of his studies. So we hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening, and please check out Wrestling Changed My Life for all past episodes. Peace! Okay, Richard Mendelson, welcome to the show, my friend. How are you? I'm doing well, Ryan. Thanks for having me. No, I'm excited for it. So, Richard, you are a, you're, you're a PhD. You study a lot of different topics, but one of the topics is, <laughs> <laughs> to say the least, right? But one of the topics yeah, right? is emotional intelligence. Um, and, and how does that differ with high-performing athletes and non, non-athletes? So maybe, uh, and I probably just butchered that, but maybe just give us an overview on, on some of the scholarship you've done as it relates to athletes and non-athletes and, and emotional intelli- intelligence. Yeah, absolutely. Um, actually, that was, that was pretty much where I, I began my, my research. Um, I was always interested, you know, when, when you look at people, everybody who's competing, I mean, unless you're like Anthony Robles, who's just, a, just <laughs> I don't even know how to describe what that guy did all Although I can say watching that guy win, I was like, that guy just did with, with one leg what I couldn't do with two legs at a level that I couldn't even like aspire to. So that was just astounding. But, um, you know, for the most part, everybody's kind of working with the same skills in, in athletics. I mean, if you're a baseball player, you learn how to catch a fly ball, you know how to throw a baseball, how to hit a baseball. Um, but some people perform when the chips are down and other people don't. Uh, some people perform better than others. Uh, some people are what you call gamers, you know, or, you know, in wrestling, it's, you know, you're a match wrestler. You may not be the best guy in the practice room, but when it's time to compete, you're, you're a real competitor. And uh, that's, that's pretty much where my research began is I, I had this natural curiosity. I, I couldn't wrap my brain around why if I worked as hard as I possibly could, and if I worked to the limits and the extent that, that I knew how to work at these different stages of my own athletic career, why were there some people who could beat me? What was the difference? You know, we, we both had two arms, two legs. We could both go in the weight room. We both were running our sprints. We were both dieting. How could one person be better than the other? And, you know, I realized when, when I speak with a lot of my teammates or a lot of people who I, you know, some of them I, I competed against and some of them I, I was on some little teams with, um, the outlook, the mentality is really what separated people. And, you know, of course, uh, as an athlete, you always, you hear about like mental toughness and I wanted to read about mental toughness. I wanted to learn about it. I wanted to enhance my own. Uh, but when you start to read about it in popular culture, you, you get a lot of books written by coaches and they talk about, you know, one athlete or another athlete who maybe is more mentally tough than others. Most people didn't really have like a, like a concrete 
like operational definition of what it was. And that led me to dig deeper. And, you know, one day I was speaking with one of my college professors about it. And he said, you know, it sounds a lot like this, this concept called, uh, or this theoretical construct called emotional intelligence. And that was it. I mean, from the day that that phrase was presented to me, I, I attacked it voraciously. I read every book. I read every article. I read everything. And, you know, this was years before I started my own graduate studies. So, I mean, for me, there was really no doubt that I was going to study athletes and that I was going to be studying what, what separates the good from the great. And, um, that's, that's really the genesis of it. That's where, that's where my initial body of work came from. And, uh, you know, it just kind of naturally progressed from one study to the next. And, you know, frankly, as, as I matured as a researcher and as a person, I started to think about, you know, there's this, uh, this, this famous uh, thing that Dan Gable said, where he said, uh, you know, after you've wrestled, everything in life is easy. And I started to look at what, what wrestlers were doing after wrestling was over. And, you know, you have people who, you know, they reach these enormously high levels in, in so many different fields. And I said, okay, so it's not just about somebody being a good or talented wrestler. There, there's something about these people that drives them or that allows them to achieve. And, uh, I started to explore that and it, you know, turned out that, uh, as I started to collect my own data and I started to perform research on my own as a, as a dissertation student. And then, you know, after my, my graduation and completion of my, my own PhD, you know, it, it just, uh, it kind of uh, snowballed if you will from there. And so you, were studying, you know, initially mental toughness, but then that rolled into uh, not quantifying it, but measuring it as emotional intelligence. And, and you found that, that that's really the big separator between high performing athletes and in just like semi high performing athletes, so to speak. Right. Because to your point, everyone puts in the same, let's say two people put in the same amount of time, <laughs> But if one person has the mindset and the mentality, they're going to see a higher level of success than the other one. And then you started studying that in, in like an actual statistical model, right? Using regression analysis. And, and what did you find when you actually did this, uh, did these studies? Because I think we can all, if you were to ask someone, hey, do you think uh, former athletes who were high, high achievers, <laughs> do they have you know, higher levels of empathy or higher levels of emotional intelligence. I think most people would probably agree, but you actually studied it. I mean, what did you find? Yeah. You know, it was really interesting. Uh, I guess uh, as a researcher, I, I could say I kind of felt like I was spoiled because, um, you know, you hear these stories about people who do research studies and they have hypotheses. And once they get the data, the data just doesn't show it. It doesn't show that, that your ideas were correct. Um, but for me, you know, I started to look at whatever body of work was out there in terms of looking at athletes and emotional intelligence. And, you know, it was almost uniform across the board. Um, the higher the level the athlete was, the higher the levels of emotional intelligence were. Um, you know, so things like, you know, general mood or just, you know, optimistic outlook on life in general, 
these higher level athletes were different from other people. They just, uh, they, they scored higher on all the different assessments and they demonstrated higher levels of EI. And I found that in my own research as well. So what do you think that is? Well, you know, I think that's a, that's a really important question. Um, you know, ultimately there's two ways that I see that it could possibly go. You know, the potential is that someone just has higher levels of emotional intelligence and because of that, they tend to perform better. Uh, mm-hmm. The other thing is through the athletic experience, you know, I mean, it, there's very few people who just step out and compete at like an international level uh, or professional level in sports and, and haven't competed or trained in that before. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's been done, but it's, it's got to be rare. Almost no one. So, yeah. 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 I mean, most people you know, you see them pop up and by the time you hear about them to you, it's like, wow, this person's like an overnight success. You know, they came out of nowhere, but to that person, that, that overnight success was a lifetime in the making and they experienced tremendous adversity, um, successes and failures. The, the emotional roller coaster that athletics is when you're training and even even when you're a kid and you're playing in like, you know, the farm leagues or the, the Pop Warner leagues, if you have this drive and you want to compete at a high level, I think you, you view that experience differently. You frame it differently and you learn differently from it. Um, and I think that, uh, that that's a big part of it because, you know, most people who are competing in a sport, you know, at the college level, the international level or the professional level, they knew pretty early, this is what I want to do. You know, they, they have that passion or that love uh, for their for their sport uh, and and for, you know, the experience of competing. And what I found is most of these super high level people, I mean, winning is, is super important. Everybody wants to win, you know, but not everybody is willing to get out and truly compete. And I think that most of these high level competitors, they learn to compete and winning is a byproduct of that. So, so for them, you know, when they go in, their goal is I need to do what I have to do to perform at the best of my ability. And if I do that, winning's going to happen because they have this belief and this confidence and this, this, uh, this poise that if I'm at my best, nobody's going to beat me. Performing at my best is going to be the part that's difficult. Not everybody's able to tap into that. We've all seen people in practice who perform and they, you know, in practice, oh, I, you know, I beat a national champion in practice every day, but then right. I don't win my wrestle off or I don't make the starting lineup for, you know, the, the conference or whatever. I mean, you know, it takes a long time to mature into that. And I think we see that uh, in wrestling more so than in other sports, because although wrestling is a team sport, it, it very much has a, an individual, it's an individual sport with a team concept, I guess. And um, at the end of the day, you know, sometimes the people that you have the most ferocious competition with, you know, as you climb the ranks, they become your teammates. Right. And that saying, iron sharpens iron. So, you know, you learn from the adversity, you learn from the, the pitfalls, probably a lot more than you learn from your successes. And uh, I think that's actually something, you know, societally, we're really, we're robbing children of that opportunity in society today, you know, because, uh, I know what it meant to me the first time I, I placed in a, a big tournament and I got a medal, you know, I'll, I'll never forget that feeling. And 
it wasn't just about getting the medal. It was like at that moment, I knew like how much work had gone into it and how many times I had gotten beaten before I earned my right to be successful, you know? Uh, well, that's I, now, something everybody succeeds. Yeah, exa- well, yeah, I mean, that's a whole, whole other ball. Of I, I totally agree <laughs> with you on the, the participation uh, era that we're in, the participation river. Yeah. But I think one thing you just said, though, that really resonated with me and I think will resonate with a lot of the listeners is whether it's wrestling or whether it's any sport, it doesn't even have to be a sport. It could be like playing the piano. But once you oh, yeah. started from ground zero and you built up mastery in a skill, you know that it's possible and that you could do that to anything in life, right? And Absolutely. so like just with wrestling, I really think that wrestling is one of the most egalitarian sports because you can be tall, you can be short, you can be strong, you can be you know, maybe not weak, but you know what I mean? Like there's, there's a lot of ways to be good at the sport. And if you put in the time and have the mindset, which I think a lot of people are lacking, and that's something that I've been looking into a lot in the past couple of years is the mindset. Um, mm-hmm. But if you have those two things, you really can be great. But then once you've been great at that, you know how good it feels to accomplish a goal. And you also know how bad it hurts to, to not accomplish a goal at the same time. So you're going to work that much harder not to feel that way. But once you've done that in one area, you can apply it to other areas of your life. And so um, that's just a, it's fascinating to hear you say that. And that's something you found in your, in your, in your studies. What about yeah. the optimism and positivity? Like I've never met a world-class performer who's a pessimist. Like, did you find anything around that? Yeah. Um, the people who are, uh, one of the studies that, uh, that I, I remember I, I cited and I apologize. I can't remember the author That's okay. right now. Um, it might've been McGonagall. I can't remember. But uh, anyway, what it came down to was the people who were really separating themselves out, these like Olympic champions versus people who were, and, and I don't want to say just Olympians because that in and of itself, it's like, <laughs> wow, you know, yeah. but yep. Yep. The, uh, the people who were Olympic champions possessed higher levels of optimism and, uh, you know, uh, I guess a better state of like general mood than people who were Olympians who perhaps didn't medal or didn't win the gold. Uh, and the interesting thing to me was this was the data was collected before the Olympic competition. So it wasn't as if after it's over, well, now you're an Olympic champion and let me assess you. It was, let's assess the entire Olympic team and these people who won are the ones who had the highest levels of these two traits. Um, I think that that what were the traits? Uh, mood, you um, said, and what was, was the other one? Optimism and general mood. Interesting. You know, like just on a daily basis, your your outlook on life in general. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think wow. that uh, you're you're absolutely right in what you said. I mean, you know, the, the people who perform at the highest levels, you know, they have a they have a better better emotional state pretty much throughout life. And for me, I'm, I'm an industrial and organizational psychologist, so I study the workplace. So what, what really interested me was the transition of people who compete at these super high levels into the workplace and do these things carry over. So like, for example, if, if you're, you know, uh, an Olympic champion and, you know, you're, now you're going into the workforce like a regular person. Yep. You know, do you do you carry those traits over with you? And what was interesting was what they did. Um, these people who, you know, my own study, I I actually went to schools 
because, you know, when you're an athlete, a lot of times you end up going into coaching and perhaps teaching. That's where a lot of us, I always joke, I said, that's where we go to die. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, ultimately, it's a place where you, you can continue to be a part of your sport and be a part of that, that community. And it's a way that you get to give back because you get to help the next generation mm -hmm. of people. And that was something because of my own life experience was incredibly important to me. So um, I looked at former elite level athletes who had transitioned into the workplace. And across the board, I mean, ev every facet of emotional intelligence that we tested, uh, the former elite athletes, they tested higher than the general population. Um, but in particular, you know, that general mood and optimism uh, and empathy, believe it or not, was a lot higher. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a reason for that is, you know, nobody, nobody gets to stand at the top of the podium without taking their lumps, without taking the, uh, the, the, without the emotional toll that it takes on you. I mean, that's why people sometimes, if they've never competed, they'll say, oh, I don't understand why, you know, when Kurt Angle won the Olympics, why, why he was, he was crying or, or Rulon Gardner. I mean, because to them, they don't, they don't understand. They haven't had that experience. So I don't care if you've wrestled in high school, uh, even if you didn't finish a season, if you've been through a full practice and you understand the, the level of commitment and time it takes to be proficient at a skill set like that, you know, mm -hmm. to see somebody reach a level like that, I mean, it's enough to bring you to tears. And in the workplace, I find that it does the same thing. I mean, look at, you know, we, we have some examples in a guy like, you know, look, Stephen Neal. Uh, a lot of people might not remember who he was. Oh, yeah. Stephen Neal Patriots was a heavyweight player. at Bakersfield. Yeah. I mean, that guy never played football in college. He walked onto an NFL team and ended up being one of the best players on that team. And you know? one of the best teams. With the, it was the Patriots. For, so folks oh, yeah. listening, he beat Lesnar in the finals. His college year then he went on to win the world championships um i believe carrie Multiple mccoy times, might have i think been. right yeah no definitely uh elite i mean he won it i think uh, two or three times and then when he was done wrestling yeah he tried out for the patriots and belichick signed him and he was one of the staples in their offensive line for you know years seasons, like, a, like a decade years. right seven I, years, I eight, years? eight years yeah yeah so um, i mean that's yeah. fascinating um, and if you look at other realms, I mean, look at, look at Jim Jordan in Congress. I mean, yes. Jim Jordan was a Division I NCAA champion. He, he also coached at uh, the Ohio State University. And, you know, now, I mean, whether you agree with him, disagree with him politically, I mean, he is known as the person in Congress who's going to get to the truth. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, with his party, against his party, like whatever it is. When they have a, a, I guess we could call it like a skirmish or an argument, they put it to Jim Jordan. Hey, Jim, straighten this out, you know? <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's because probably nobody in Congress is going to mess with Jim Jordan. <laughs> but um, I mean, should it, know, yeah, should it turn it's the physical? Ethics that you learn. It's, it's the yeah. ethics that you learn, and it's, uh, it's the honor and the integrity that comes with really learning to be a competitor. You know, you do things with honor and with integrity. If you win and you get your hand raised, you did it with honor and integrity. Mm -hmm. And if you lose, mm -hmm. you lose with dignity, honor, integrity, and class. And that's the best thing to me about wrestling is you shake hands before and after. Yep. 
and, and it doesn't matter what the outcome is. At the end of this match, we're going to shake hands and we're going to be gentlemen. And, you know, to be honest, you know, I don't want to date myself and be like, kids today. But, you know, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I see a lot of guys at the end of the match, they get up, they kind of like slap hands and take off. To me, you know, if somebody beats you, I think they deserve a real handshake. You know? But that's kind of like I think the only reason to be upset after a loss is if you know deep down inside you didn't put everything forward in the preparation to get that victory. Right? If you but if you really did do everything you could to prepare <laughs> mentally and physically and you lose, like so be it. And I think a perfect example of that is uh, Kyle Snyder, and we've talked about it on the podcast before, he got pinned by Sad Julia a couple of weeks ago over yeah, in, saw um, at the World Championships. But the video of him afterwards, the interview, <laughs> you would have no idea he lost. He was like, listen, a loss doesn't define my life. I know I'm doing the right things, and uh, I'm going to keep on going. It was just a really refreshing video to see. Um, and I think just to kind of pivot on what you were saying a little bit ago, the people in life who've wrestled, even if it's just high school, um, and this is a wrestling yep. podcast, so even if it's just high school, uh, certainly if it's college, you know, everyone can agree it's changed their life in some way. Um, oh, yeah. You know, for the better, of course. And I think you and I were talking before this, and you mentioned uh, you know, something to that effect as well. So maybe just share with the listeners kind of your story and like what life was like before wrestling, after wrestling, how it saved your life, and, and, and kind of how, yeah. how that's propelled you and where you're at now all right so this is uh okay so here's the thing for me i i grew up and i know everybody has you know their own rough times in childhood you know um for me i grew up in a a divorced family Uh, my mom she had to work very very hard uh she was a, a teacher and we live in south florida and cost of living is pretty high And my mom had to work really, really hard to keep a roof over our heads. So, I mean, at the end of her school day, she was going and working as an adjunct at uh, some of the local community colleges, which um, it meant that pretty much from the time I woke up in the morning until the time I went to bed at night, you know, my mom wasn't really around very much because she was out earning a living. Um, My dad... You know, I, I don't wish anything bad on the guy, but he's he was kind of like the prototype. My my father was actually a, a wrestling coach, but he was like the very old school kind of coach where uh, you kind of led with like a lot of negativity. Um, I don't know if anybody's ever had that type of experience, but, you know, you have some coaches who they're the first ones to want to be there with you when you win. But the moment times get tough, it's kind of like now it's your fault and, and you did this and you didn't do that kind of deal. So. Right. You know, he, he was only really around when I was competing, frankly. And, um, you know, I mean, I, on one hand, I, I'm, I'm very appreciative because he was the one who would take me to all the tournaments and, and take me everywhere I had to be. Um, you know, but on the other hand, he was also the one who, if he felt I underperformed or if he was just in a bad mood, he'd pick up all my gear and he'd walk out and he'd leave me in my singlet like four hours from home you know, while I'm on the mat competing kind of thing, uh, which is pretty twisted. Um, but wow. for me, like, you know, oh my God. wrestling coach in high school, uh, his name's Randy Miller. And Randy is, uh, you know, he wrestled at Michigan State. He's, I think he's the youngest person ever who made a, a senior level Pan Am team or world team for the U.S. 
he made it when he was uh, still like, I think a junior in high school, which is just like crazy. Um, wow. But you know, I was, I was doing the dumb stuff that most kids do when they don't have that solid guidance at home. And, uh, you know, I remember the moment when wrestling changed me because, uh, you know, Randy Miller, he pulls me aside one day and he says, look, you may never be a state champion because that's not guaranteed to anybody. But if you're willing to do the work, you'll be good enough where you can use wrestling to have a life. And he said, I know you're hanging out with some scummy people. I know you're making some bad decisions. If you want to go and make bad decisions and just go home after school today. And this wasn't even, it was like after my freshman wrestling season had already happened. But I had shown up and I had wrestled. I just, I hadn't really been like bitten by the bug yet, you know? And um, he said, if you want to go and be with them, then go and be with those, those people and, and live that life. But if you want to be a decent man and you want to have a future, I'll be waiting in the wrestling room today and I'll wait there for you every day. And you and me will wrestle every single day, even in the off season. And I'll help you to become a better person. And um, it was the craziest thing, Ryan. I mean, I'm telling you, powerful, like, at, powerful, dude, at the end of that school day, I walked out of school and I, I had to walk by the gym to be able to like, you know, get to where the parking lot was. And I remember, like, I, it was the weirdest thing. I got to the end of the sidewalk, and, like, I just kind of froze. And the sweat just started pouring off me. And it was, like, the craziest experience. Because like, I remember looking down at, like, you know, the parking lot off the sidewalk, and, and it just hit me, like, this is that moment. Like, if I take that step and I go into this parking lot and I hang out with these people, I'm, I'm not going to have a life, man. And I'm like, but if I go back into practice, I, I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen, but I mean, it's, it's got to be better than where I'm going to end up if I don't. Yeah. And I mean, and they say, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I just, I, I ran back into a locker room and at that point I'm going, oh man, I'm going to be late. Like, well, who's going to kill me? You know? So now yeah. I'm like, I'm throwing my gear on, I'm running to the wrestling room and you know, we had the, it was the noisiest, loudest metal door in that wrestling room. And I just remember like I tried to open it up and it just, bam, slams open. And <laughs> Coach Miller, he's standing in that room. He's standing by himself in the middle of the mat. And he looks at the clock and he looks at me and I thought he's going to tell me, you're done, get out. And he just stares at me for a couple seconds and he gets this like little crooked smile on his face. He goes, well, all right, we got ourselves a wrestler. Come on in. Amen. Amen, and baby. Man, that man awesome. changed my life. I mean, he, he's still one of my best friends to this day. I, I mean, you hear people talk about, oh, you know, I love my coach. Man, I love my coach. Like that, without him, nothing that I've ever succeeded in in my life would have been here for me if Randy Miller didn't, didn't get involved and help me to develop. As a, as a human being, and he did it through wrestling. It was like a lot of, I mean, it wasn't even just about the time that we spent drilling. It was those moments like after practice is over, when you're just sitting on the mat, just waiting for your body yeah. to cool down and stop sweating. You know, when you learn about, you can't just learn the moves. You got to learn like the lore of wrestling. You got to hear the stories about who came before you and what they did. And, and I just, I threw myself into it. 150 million percent, man. I mean, I'm talking, I was the kid 
Like I watched Vision Quest and I just thought it was normal that everybody wore a plastic suit if they were a wrestler. I got the <laughs> plastic suit. I, I mean, I live in South Florida, okay? I yeah. was like the guy, I was running from my door to the school was five miles. I was running five miles to school in the morning, showering in the locker room, you know, going to class all day, going to practice after, running and working out with the team. Then I was running home. And then I was like running to work and showering in the locker room there and working till like 11 o'clock and running home and waking up at five in the morning to do it again. And, uh, you know, it, it gave me, it gave me structure. It gave me discipline and it taught me work ethic. But I'll tell you, I think the most valuable thing that I took away from that first, like my sophomore year of, of high school was the first time I took wrestling seriously. And I'll tell you, the most valuable thing I did that year was lose. It was the most mm-hmm. important thing I did because you know what? Like it, it taught me that just because you put everything into something, it doesn't mean you're going to be the best at it. It just means that it gives you the best opportunity to be the best at something. And all the stuff that I was doing in wrestling, look, I, I was never a state champion. I was never a national champion as an individual. But I, I know that I am a champion in my life because of the leadership I had from, from people like Randy Miller. And I was very fortunate because, you know, in college, I had a wonderful coach who was a great family man. And we had a strong tradition where I went. I went to a San Francisco State University. And my coach uh, was a man named Lars Jensen, who was the coach there for like 30-something years. And he just had a wonderful family and he was just a good man. And these guys, I mean, they weren't just coaches. They were like, they were like father figures and role models. I love them both to this day. I'm a better man. I'm a better husband. I'm a better father because of the things that I learned from these guys. And for a kid like me who could have gone the wrong way, if I had stepped off that curb, yeah, I'll tell you, there's not a day that goes by Ryan that I don't thank God that I didn't take that step. Well, there's, that's an amazing story. And people do say that in any person's life, there's maybe a couple moments, two, three, four, where it's a tiny little second time. Exactly. And and that was definitely yours. And you sounds like you remember it vividly. Um, I feel it when I talk about it. I'm I'm sitting here and I'm sweating. It's not just because I'm like, fat and out of shape now it's just like <laughs> it's like it's a very like it's a it's a visceral experience that I had in that moment and it was like I don't know I, I don't know you know everyone has their own ideas about like spirituality or whatever but like for me I mean in that moment I, I can't take credit for making the decision to stay because uh, I, I don't really think it was my decision I think I was it was something Open beyond up. me that yeah. said, this is what you need to be doing with your life. Well, and the, the part that I really took away, too, is that even if you totally commit yourself to something and, and tell me there's, there's nothing like seeing a young kid who's got, like, the eye of the tiger and they're just obsessed. But even if you do that, nothing's guaranteed you. And um, yeah. to me, the most important thing about sports and, and certainly wrestling is learning how to deal with failure because or obstacles, right? It doesn't have to be a failure, but obstacles in general because later in life they're going to come and it's not smooth sailing and um uh, unfortunately you experienced a traumatic incident um this past february and relied on your your wrestling background to get through that 
uh, maybe just just share uh, share what happened for, uh, for some of the some of the listeners. Yeah. Um. So, <clears throat> the high school that I attended when I was a kid was a uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, in Florida. And uh, you know, I I when I finished uh, college, I went back and I was a teacher there for 13 years, and I was a wrestling coach there for many years as well. And uh, you know, it's it's hard to explain, but you know that school that's home to me. You know, um, I know every inch of that school inside and out. I spent, I mean, gosh, I, I just I turned forty this year, and I think I spent seventeen or eighteen years of my life as a student, a teacher, an athlete, a coach at Stoneman Douglas High School. And, um, you know, I left there four years ago when I got my, actually almost five years ago when I got my, my professorship. But, um, you know, it's a place that's always, it's really deeply important to me. And the community there is incredibly important to me. And, um, you know, they, they had a, there was a school shooting there on February 14th of, uh, 2018. They lost, uh, you know, 14 children were killed. Um, three staff members were killed. One was a teacher, uh, actually one was the athletic director and the wrestling coach. His name is Chris Hickson. Uh, the other teacher who passed away, his name was Scott Beagle. He was a cross country coach. Uh, I didn't actually have the pleasure of meeting him. Uh, but I knew Coach Hickson because he was part of the wrestling community for many years in South Florida. And the football coach that, you know, everybody heard about, uh, he went in first. Uh, his name is uh, Aaron Feiss. And Aaron was one of my best friends since uh, since we were kids, since we were high school kids. And, um, you know, it was uh, it was incredibly hurtful to see what happened there, to, uh, to know what happened in the place that, that I love and that was home to me. And, um, you know, when, when you say that my, my wrestling helped me get through it, you know, one of the most important things I learned, I learned in wrestling was how to fight and how to compete and win or lose, how, how to leave everything possible out there. And, mm-hmm. um, as a result of that, in the aftermath of this, there was a lot of, uh, political stuff that went on. You know, some people focusing on gun control, some people focusing on fixing schools. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I spoke with uh, my friend Aaron's brother and sister and uh, some of the parents of uh, kids whose older siblings I had taught, you know, kids who unfortunately were killed there. I had, I had taught their older siblings or cousins even when I was a teacher there. And, um, you know, I decided to run for a school board in Broward County. And, uh, you know, this will probably sound really crazy to most of the listeners, but, um, you know, we were the only school board race, I think, that I was telling you about this before we were, you know, recording. Uh, we made like national level news for this school board race. Uh, it was it was a local election that played out on a on a national level. And um, had I not learned how to fight, had I not learned how to keep my composure uh, my poise, had I not learned the work ethic to, you know, even in the face of adversity, keep grinding it out, keep pushing forward and keep moving forward. I don't think I would have made it through that campaign cycle because it was, I'm, I'm not a political guy, you know, I, I'm a regular right. person who stepped up. I wanted to honor my friend and I wanted to use my, my knowledge and my skills to, to make things better. And, um, 
you know, this race was just completely horrific in terms of the way the political aspect of it happened. And uh, had I not had the work ethic and the honor and the integrity that wrestling instilled in me, um, had I not been the man who I am because of the, the lessons I learned and the experiences I had, and, and frankly, the people who, you know, played a role in my development in that in the wrestling community in South Florida, uh, I don't think we would have made a real run of it. But I mean that. Look, my opponent was a two-term incumbent. Her mother was a, a former senator. Uh, deeply political ties in the area, um, and the way the area is split, it's almost like seventy percent uh, one political party. And I happened to, it was a nonpartisan race, but my opponent was a part of that 70% party. Uh, we got, you know, very close to, uh, we, we came very close to winning it. And to be honest with you, and this is going to sound a little bit like a sore loser, anybody who's competed, you know, the difference between getting beaten and getting robbed. And I feel very comfortable saying that we were not beaten. We were robbed, but, um, you know, I continue to fight every day and, uh, you know, I don't think I will ever stop because I don't, I don't have it in me to give up or quit because I'm a wrestler and we don't do that. Amen, baby. That's a, that's a great way to, to wrap this up. And I, I, I just, um, <clears throat> I'm so glad we were able to, to have this conversation and share it with the listeners because um, it just shows, you know, it doesn't, you don't have to be an Olympic champion. You don't have to be an NCAA champion to, uh, to have had a profound impact from this sport and uh, your story is just uh, just one of many and then one will you know what we'll continue to do is find these and, and dig these out and, and push these out to the to the listeners so i i just really appreciate your time today richard and i just want to thank you for coming on um and obviously we hope to have you back and hope to hope to keep the relationship going uh, thanks for all you're doing man i appreciate it hey man thank you so much for having me on uh, i really appreciate it and uh you know to anybody who's out there listening you know, I just hope that uh, you realize it's not about the wins or the losses. It's about what wrestling gives you. And uh, when you get in a position to do so, it's about what you can do to give back. And uh, that's what keeps our community as wrestlers going. You know, I mean, when you're, when you're in, a, in that room and, and you see somebody with the cauliflower ears or you may be in a job interview and somebody's got the cauliflower ears or, you know, you find out that they wrestled, I mean, that's, that's a brotherhood. And, um, mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's amazing. Cause as you get older, I mean, I'm sure you have kids that listen to this who perhaps aren't quite there yet. As you get older, it doesn't matter what you did in terms of winning and losing. It just matters that you did it and people respect that and you respect yourself. So just don't give up. Just keep at it. That's it, man. Well, well thanks again, Richard. We appreciate Thank it. Thank you so much, man. It was a pleasure. That's the end of this episode, but definitely not the end of the show. For more episodes, please go to wrestlingchangemylife.org. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us a star rating. Show the love, baby. Show the love. Thank you so much. We'll see you again soon. Peace.